Good morning, good morning. And welcome to another Wealth Coffee Chat, folks. Good to see one or two of you up there nice and early. Graham, good morning, mate. Howdy. There's uh, Kevin. Evening, good morning to you. Brett, how are you, mate? Down there in uh, sunny South Australia. Brandon, uh, Joanne, good morning. Hope you're well. A couple of Facebook users behind the veil. Hey, thanks for joining me this morning in another Wealth Coffee Chat. As we uh, warm up the old, uh, as we warm up the old uh, live stream, we might uh, do the obligatory mornings and uh, intros. Jason Witten's my name, post you know that, but uh, we do this Wealth Coffee Chat each, almost each and every day, work day. Monday to Fridays, um, trying to sort out a little bit of fear from fact, a bit of education, a bit of understanding, a bit of uh, looking behind the veil of the fear and ignorance that uh, the media and uh, others like to portray. So welcome along. Good to see you here. Thanks for joining wherever you are in this wonderful world today. So, uh, And if you're new, welcome. If you're new, welcome. Great to have you here. Give us a shout out in the chat and let us know what you're doing, what you're what you're up to. Where where are you? Where are you in this wonderful world? Let us know. Hey, listen. This morning I might talk. I thought we'd talk about some some tactical, strategic, high level overview ideas, thoughts, and thinking about who's heard the saying. Have you heard the saying? Let me know in the chat with a yes or something like that. Have you ever heard heard the saying? Oh. You make your money when you buy, not when you sell. You make your money when you buy, not when you sell. Um, um, yeah, <laughs> there you go, Brett. Um, you make your money when you buy, not when you sell. And, you know, what does that mean? Yeah, Phil Lowe and the government. Well, you know, at the end of the day, the government, like we've talked about a few times, Brett, the government uh, throwing money at things and it, they're spending their spending is inflationary, right? So they're putting more money into the market, creating inflation, and the RBA is like, listen, you know, if you guys don't stop this, we've got to put the interest rates up. It's crazy. It's crazy. Anyway, uh, there's Jared. Hey, Jared, how are you, mate? Central Coast, good spot, good place, good spot in the world to uh, hang out and live. And we've got Aaron in the house as well. Tell me, have you heard the saying, you make your money when you buy? Well, what the hell does that mean? You know, it's... It, you know, have you ever noticed people sort of talking about things and then they do these uh, wonderful sweeping statements and you're kind of left thinking, where's the detail in that? Where's the detail in that? So this morning, I wanted to talk to you about the idea of what does it mean? What does it mean? Hang around. What does it mean to, uh, what does it mean to understand the saying, you make your money when you buy? How does that happen? Well, let's talk about that in the world of real estate investing, property investing. Some of you have seen this before. You guys know that we've got the there's three phases, let's say over zero to 20 years or beyond. Let's call it and beyond. There's three phases of a property investor. Tell me in the chat, what are the three phases of property investing? Put A, C, and L, ACL. Australian credit license. No, that's not an Australian credit license. What are the three phases, folks? Tell me in the chat, what's phase number one? Uh, This phase is what probably most of us are in um, right now, dialing in this morning, and we all start out in this phase. 
uh, as property investors. Um, Jeff, how are you, mate? Oh, hey, I know where the yeah, Blando Crossing is for sure. Yeah, I know it, I know it. How are you, mate? Good morning. Good morning to you, Jeff. You're right, mate. You get around, mate. You get around in a good way, in a good way, Jeff, in a good way. All right, James is on it. Chris is on it. Boom. All right, this is what it is. This is acquisition, phase one, uh, second uh, phase, and it's kind of a, let's call it a loose phase, all right, uh, consolidation, and then thirdly, thirdly, third, <laughs> thirdly, certainly, uh, try it. there you go, combination, lifestyle, right, lifestyle, lifestyle and live. Acquisition, consolidation, living life, exactly, Catherine, Jeff, acquire. Exactly, it's just a fancy way of saying how many properties do you need? All right, if you need five and you got one, well, you need to buy four. Get on with it, right? Don't muck around. This this drives me insane. Oh, when's a good time to buy property? Well, straight away, fast, furious, get on with it, right? I can tell you, folks, the most important thing when it comes to property investing is being consistent, being consistent. Anyway, that's not my conversation today. We've got this acquisition, right? And what are the things that are the most important to take you from where you are to where you want to be, from one to five investments when it comes to the world of property investing? Because over here in lifestyle, you want these things to be showing you the money, like they say in uh, Jerry Maguire. What are they? What are these things? What, what, let's go through those today. Four are very important very important things to understand when it comes to the world of how do we make money when we buy uh, rather than when we sell. And today I'm talking about the underlying concept, not the tactical maneuvers, but the underlying concept. And let's just go through this today, right? There's four pieces to this puzzle. There's four, and they might be things that you, you, you might not think, all right? So, number one, first piece, all right, is the ability of the property to get leverage. Now, I mean, oh, what, what do you mean by that? We're going to talk about that in a second. Leverage, what does that mean? Now, leverage is the ability for you to make your dollar, how much money do you have to put into a property to get it and own it and buy it? If you want to go from one to five, you must understand the concept of leverage, okay? Leverage. Now, hopefully most of you know this, loan-to-value ratio, number one. And you're like, oh, what? So finance is important, Jason. Yes, it is. Your income is so, so, so important when you are in the acquisition stage, when you're buying some properties, folks. Leverage, loan-to-value ratio. Now, what's the common thing? You go to someone who's uneducated. Uh, they believe they're being safe. Uh, I just call them conservative and uninformed. Uh, but what what the what the most default, you know, uh, banks or lenders or you know, often financial planners and other people tell you what loan to value ratio do they tell you to borrow at? Right? Tell me in the chat. Oh, oh, you you should. You should be conservative. You should be safe and borrow because you pay lenders mortgage insurance. Anyway, that's a terrible, uh, terrible uh, accent or whatever I'm trying to do. <laughs> well, what do they say? What do they say? Oh, oh, no, no. You should put more money in. Yeah, boom, eighty percent. 
80%. Now, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. When you're starting out, when you're starting out, and let's say you want to go from one to five, and let's say a good property is $600,000, right? If you're going to put in 20% plus some costs, which is 5%, 25% of $600,000, right? 25%. I could probably do that on, on the top of my head, but I'll, I'll see here. All right. That's 150 grand, folks. Now, most people don't have 150 grand just laying around doing nothing, right? And there's two things. There's two things. So, you know, away we go. So loan-to-value ratio. What's the sweet spot? And I can tell you this right now. Right now, the sweet spot in lending. Yeah. Um, but it, <laughs> hey, Chris, you're a smart fellow. <laughs> I love that. I might nick. I might nick that saying. Um, there you go. Finding LMI is easier than finding another ten percent. You're dead right. Dead right. And uh, you guys know we have a little sweet spot. Loan to value ratio is eighty eight percent. Okay, eighty eight percent. It it reduces the lender's mortgage insurance, uh, and um, and uh, maximizes your your uh, leverage. All right, so if you borrow at 88%, what does that mean? Well, you only have to put in, let's say, 100 grand, right? You're 50 grand closer. You're 50 grand closer to another deal, another property. Or, folks, you can buy a better quality property. So number one thing at the start of buying property, and it's, it's more difficult, you have to wait later on. So leverage and the property, uh, what... What will predict or not predict um, uh, influence the type of leverage you can get? Okay, the property type, the postcode of that property, and your income. Okay, your income. Okay, so those are kind of influences on loan to value ratio. Right. Next, what's what do we look at at the property? Can we get leverage? Can we get good leverage on that property if it's a big tick? If you can get up to 88%, great, right? Even if it's a good property and you've got good income on it, but you can only borrow at 70% or I had this one the other day. Uh, someone had a property, it had great income, it was in a pretty good location and had great income because it was attached to, um, unfortunately, a, um, a holiday letting pool, but the LVR was rubbish. It was 60%. And I'm like, it's a stupid move. Stupid. Don't do it. Because you have to put way more money in and all you're doing is getting some income out and you don't need income now. You need wealth growth, all right? So anyway, let's get on with this. Income. What's the income that our, this property can generate, right? Number one, it's going to come from the rent, okay? that's We know that. We know the income comes from the rent, but this is the point. What percentage income will this produce, okay? And how... Um, uh, how certain is this? Uh, let's talk about this. Like what, what percentage, you know, where at the moment you're targeting around 4 to 5% in regular good quality residential properties, okay? Now, if you get higher rent, um, if you want to chase commercial, you know, your rents can be higher, but your leverage becomes lower, right? Leverage is less, income is higher, um, and often, you know, the growth is a bit different as well. So rent, What's the leverage? What's the income? 
and here's a few little bits and pieces. What can you do with that property? Is it uh, regular rent? Regular rent. Uh, can you short let that property? Short let it. Or can you turn it into multi-income? Okay. Now, these things you may or may not care about into the future, or you may. If you get it right now and you go, I'm just going to regular rent it for the moment, uh, then you know maybe in five or eight years I'm going to put a furniture package in and double the rent from short-term letting or you know Airbnb or whatever it might be, holiday letting. Um, um, as we go, there, there you go. Okay, happy days, right? Multi-income. Can you later on maybe you know fix that property uh, so you can have three or four different income streams in there or, folks, or uh, multi-income, maybe buy a multi-income property up front if it works, right? Leverage and income. The two most important things at the front because these things work hand in hand. Now, you say, oh, that's boring and it's pretty straightforward. If you don't master the leverage in the income, folks, it is very difficult to go from one to two to three to four to five. You kind of get tapped out at sort of one and two. And so, and they say, okay, yeah, okay, Jason, leverage and income. Yeah, boring. Um, no, it's not boring. Those things are important because those lead to your ability to buy the third and the fourth and the fifth, folks. All right, make sure we, we know this. What are other things that we need in this piece of the puzzle? Um, number three, number four. Growth, all right. Okay, well, if you put some money in, you want it back, all right? The capital growth on your property, well, it's market-driven, okay? What market are you in? Market, what location? Um, what is going to drive the short growth, short-term growth, uh, and the long-term growth, okay? Long-term growth on your property uh, is certainly where the wealth comes from, but the short growth, what's short-term growth for, folks? Short-term growth is to create another what? Short-term growth, either through how you purchase, you buy it at a discount, you might renovate, you might buy in a market that's moving faster than normal. What is the short-term growth for? Gives you your what back, folks. Gives you your what back. You buy this property, it, it has short-term growth. Tell me in the chat, um, boom, another deposit. You get your, your deposit back, folks, all right? Short-term growth is about your deposit, all right? Making another deposit for another property. Long-term growth is about your wealth, okay? Long-term growth is about your wealth, Short-term growth is about your deposit coming back to you because unless you've, unless you've got a truckload of cash under the bed, folks, uh, your properties need to generate that next deposit. Growth, what's going to drive it, okay? The location, the property type, the zoning, et cetera, et cetera, okay? And fourth, uh, a consideration, which is important. These three are the big ones, but a fourth one is the efficiency. What do I mean by efficiency? And I don't even know if I'm spelling this right, but anyway, tell me in the chat. What, what, uh, 
tell me in layman's terms what efficiency means, uh, folks in the chat, because I'm trying to come up with a fancy word to trick you to see if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> efficiency. What do I mean by this property needs to be efficient? Efficient. Um, how do we know? What, what, is, what is efficient? What is efficient? Sanjeev, I'll come back to you in a second. Efficient. Question. Pondering. Oh, something like that. Yeah, well, that, that is one way of efficiency, Alison. Certainly probably what, what comes to mind when I say the word efficiency. All right, I'm talking in, in uh, economic terms, folks, uh, and the ability for that property to be tax effective. What does that mean? Well, if you own a property, you get depreciation and you can reduce your tax, right? Capital growth value. If the property goes up and if you ever had to sell it, don't sell your properties, folks. But if you ever had to, you can get a tax reduction on that that money, that wealth that comes into your life. You only have to pay tax on 25% of it anyway, all right? Is it efficient? Because long-term, long-term, every cent matters. Every dollar coming back to us matters, right? So um, do we get, you know, efficiency in here? Our dollars rise um, and our debts go down, and this is where our wealth is over here, okay? Lots of scribbles on the page here right now. All right, let's do a quick review. It's important to understand leverage. Can you... Will that property allow you to borrow well, okay? Will that property create good income, regular income, and does it have multi-future income potential? Will the growth, um, will growth on that property be delivered short-term, give you a deposit back, long-term, create ultimate wealth, uh, and in the meantime, short term, are you getting some efficiency, some tax efficiency? Because, folks, when you get tax efficiency, a lot of people don't don't realize this. When you get tax back, it actually adds to your income, which helps you borrow more money. Okay, that's what happens. Um, and uh, can you keep moving that forward? All right, as we go, good good things to think about. Maybe. Not as exciting as the right type of property, but the underlying piece, folks, is this. The underlying piece is this, okay? Make sure that that works as we go. Um, Sanjeev, Sanjeev uh, is asking, um, how do we know? How do we know we got a bargain and we paid the right price for value? Uh, well, that's, uh, that's the agile question, Sanjeev. Um, what I like to do is make sure that if you're – trying to find a deal, you're happy to buy and own that property for the next 20 years, right? Yes, you can certainly certainly negotiate and buy a discount. And right now in the market, there might be an opportunity to do so. Uh, the short-term deal-making uh, is fine, but don't let it get in the way of your long-term wealth. That's what I say. Buy at a discount, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That's possible. Um, you know, chat with your coach, uh, your PC, your buyer's agent, you know, they all know, you know, per square meter to market, um, against valuations, all sorts of metrics to, to know that, Sanjeev. So good question. Uh, I might do that. Might do that on another one. Might do that on another Wealth Coffee Chat. Anyway, I think we're done. I think we're done. We made it, folks. We made it. Wealth Coffee Chat um, done for today. 
There you go. Join me next week. Next week, we'll do another one. We'll do some more. But today, today, folks, this afternoon, um, Fenton and I are going to do an uh, – we're back with Wealth, Wine and Wisdom. We've had a bit of a break. Fenton has uh, settled into being a dad. Um, we've had a fair bit of travelling going on, and um, we took a break. But it's time to come back. It's time to come back. Anyway, last week we had one. This week we're going to have another. Hopefully you can join us this afternoon for another one of those Wealth Coffee Chats. Uh, Until then, folks, that's it from me, done and dusted today. Thanks for joining. As always, remember, we've got a few sayings around here. Buy well, don't sell. This thing's a marathon, not a sprint. It's going to take time to create your wealth. You know, be patient. Be patient, folks. You'll get there um, along the way. Anyway, that's it, folks. So, yeah, thanks for joining. See you next week for another Wealth Coffee Chat or this afternoon for Wealth, Wine and Wisdom. Bye-bye.